start this party with a bang. Ladies and gentlemen, film fans everywhere, welcome to one of the most important episodes of the Epic Film Guys podcast to ever fucking exist. I'm Justin, and I'm joined by the god of podcasting himself, Loisos. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> Dude, it's like 9.30 a.m. in the morning on a Monday. You should sound way more enthusiastic than that, considering what we're going to be talking about today. Well, Justin, I have to say, I, I'm exhausted, <laughs> because uh, yesterday we stayed up for a full 24 hours. That's right. Um... Needless to say, uh, Kevin Smith events can go on for quite some time. We did not uh, finish, we did not walk out of the theater after finishing Batman Forever until almost six in the morning, so. It was it was sunny out. The sun was out in the morning. <laughs> we, 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 we got to the event at Smodcastle Cinemas at 6 p.m. to wait in line to get in for a 7 p.m. screening event, rather. And uh, yeah, we, we got out at fucking five something in the morning <laughs> and the reason um, for that is you know <laughs> that that's a story for another podcast but probably probably it's, it's a long one too but so you know what this is we have seen the schumacher cut of batman forever i'm not bullshitting you i swear to god um anyone that's been paying attention to this movement for the last couple of years I've been a part of that, and we've always believed and known that there is a different cut of the movie. Hashtag uh, release the Schumacher release cut. the Schumacher <laughs> cut. Yes, and um, recently Kevin Smith on his own podcast mentioned, "Hey, I, I saw the Schumacher cut," and he kind of mentioned a, a few differences in it, and uh, in a weird cryptic way said, "Come out, out, come on out on July first, and you might see a movie." So uh, leading up to that. Um, the event that was promoted and was scheduled, Brian, was a, a thing you were very interested in. It was a Clark's Cartoon Marathon. Well, I'm a casual fan of Kevin Smith. I enjoy the Clerks movies, and I always thought the animated series was kind of ahead of its time in a lot of ways. Um, very much of its time in other ways. But, <laughs> yes. um, but you know, uh, the main event, uh, or the thing that we were most excited about, was the possibility, the potential of a uh, screening of the long-lost, long-rumored Joel Schumacher cut of Batman Forever, which was hinted at by Kevin Smith. Um, but, it, I mean, the event itself was was awesome. It was a full screening of uh, the Clerks animated series with... It had some of the cast there, Brian right? O'Halloran and Jeff Anderson. Uh, the, the, and Kevin Smith, The legends too. themselves, yes. So, um, you know, if it came to pass that uh, the Batman Forever screening actually did not happen. I still would have enjoyed my time there, um, but we were both hoping beyond hope that... Uh, I, I was on my fucking knees praying, dude. <laughs> hoping. Uh, you know, leading up to the screening, you know, like I said, um, I kept looking at the website, and then I just called, and I was like, hey, you know, uh, Kevin said this on the show, are you guys screening the Schumacher cut of Batman Forever? And the gentleman on the phone, uh, I will not name him, he was very like, you know, well... We weren't told anything about it. Just pay attention to our social media, so on and so forth. The following day, I'm like, fuck this. I need to know, like, because I'm going to drive four and a half hours. Not that I wouldn't want to attend the clerk's event, but this has been something that I've been yearning to see for fucking years. I mean, it's been so huge for me. So the second time I called, I was like, listen, I know you probably can't tell me that you're showing it, but just tell me you're not showing it. You know, like... 
give me an indication. And the guy kind of got frustrated, was like, Kevin hasn't said anything. Hold on. Put me on hold. Came back and said, if he's going to show it, he's probably going to show it that you're, night. You're going to want to get your tickets. <laughs> you're going to want to get it. There's 30 tickets left. And when I told you to get yours, uh, we woke up the next morning and it was sold out. Yeah. So, you know, as, in terms of the event, we'll talk about that another time. But I can tell you this. I sat there with the most excitement, nervousness, anticipation until Kevin said in his intro, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And then he said, later on, we're going to be doing a special screening of a movie. Um, I want to be very clear that not one time during the entire evening did the name Batman Forever or the, the name Batman come up in terms of what the screening was. He did mention the movie was from 1995 and it was a rough cut. Um but that, that's all that was said. So we, we, we started watching the movie at like around three something in the morning after everyone uh, in terms of the huge event left. But there was still like, I think, 25, 30 people that stuck around for this. There's some shout outs to some people that I met in line and people, that, you know, that are huge supporters of this movement that I've known from Twitter that I got to meet and, and, and hook up with and at least chat with a little bit while we were waiting for the movie. But overall, it was a small crowd and um we're going to do our best here to uh, go through bits and pieces of the movie uh, that are different, you know, in terms of the additional footage. Brian, we clocked in the Schumacher cut at two hours, 15 minutes and 38 seconds. That's correct. Um, the The length of the so-called Schumacher cut has been a kind of a point of debate. Uh, it's been reported as being two hours, 40 minutes. It's been reported as being a full three hours. Uh, the version that we saw, yes, uh, was a rough work print cut with a time code embedded into the footage and it ended exactly at two hours, 18 minutes, 38 seconds. Can you imagine how fucking tired we were? And we actually, you, well, you remembered that. I was like, make sure to remember that. <laughs> I could we be like, off, give or take a few. No, seconds, you're not. But. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, when when I maybe a few seconds when I looked up at the screen, the the screen was black, but it was stuck on that number, so we know. Um, right, and and I want to set expectations right at the outset here. This is this version of the film. Who knows whether it's the fabled Schumacher cut? I mean, who's to say, really? Joel Schumacher has sadly passed and left this earth. So it, I don't know if it's the definitive Schumacher cut. What we saw was a rough work print with footage that we know was from the original cut of the film. Um, it, it does have a time code. It has very unpolished on-set audio which we realized a lot of the takes had been redubbed with ADR after yes, the fact. Yes, a lot. A lot of them. For Jim Carrey, I would dare say 70% of Tommy Lee Jones' stuff he overdubbed in post. Um, it, it's, it's, it's not a polished cut. So, you know, even myself, uh, my belief before seeing this was that this was just, you know, a great quality through and through cut that could just be tossed on, you know, Max and streamed. No, <laughs> that's not the case. And I think, you know, to your point there in regards to what version this is, we saw, I know someone uh, somewhere on social media was like, you didn't even see the real thing. It's just a fan edit. Well, you know, there's, there's a reason why Kevin Smith received it. There's a reason why he watched it. And there's a reason why he, you know, announced that he saw it. And there's a reason why he's showing it well, secretly. To, yes. To be clear, I don't know who gave Kevin Smith this version of the film. He, he didn't say. He did yeah. not disclose how he came across it, who 
at whether it's someone at Warner Brothers or whether it was leaked somehow somewhere um we don't know so we can't just you know we can't talk about what version of the film this is necessarily um kevin smith said it's the schumacher cut and we have no reason to believe otherwise i mean the only other person uh voice sauce that would be able to confirm nor deny this would be akiva goldsman because he came out a few years ago basically as part of this movement you know began from him saying in an interview you know, I was at Warner Brothers. I saw the Schumacher cut. Like, I've seen it. It's a better movie. It's the movie that we originally intended for it to be, you know, before the studio clearly stepped in and made some changes. Uh, before I go any further here, uh, I just wanted to give a huge shout out to at Cut Schumacher on Twitter. I don't think uh, without their hard work, their effort and their continued support and promoting this cut and, and getting the fans involved that this probably would not have seen the light of day what they've done and you know my, my small participation in what they've done in terms of these events where we hold and you know we do massive tweets to get it trending on tweet storms. You know, social media and you know it has done a lot i mean major publications have reported on it it's been you know a, a very huge subject for discussion over the last few years and you know I, i've just been just want to give props to them because I don't think this would have happened without their hard work. Um, but like I said, listen, we saw the movie at 3 a.m. So this is not like we're going to try to go through the movie as best we possibly can. I, I immediately noticed when things were different because there are scenes in different places from where they are in the theatrical. And to be honest, after watching this cut, you can see where like the scenes make more sense in the placement where they are in, in this OG like original Schumacher cut in comparison to the theatrical where sometimes yes. things would happen you didn't know any different but you know we'll go through that here there are some um, holes in the plot that the Schumacher cut does help patch up does and also yeah. and also um the the version that we saw was also I guess uh, a second version that was sent to Kevin Smith uh, apparently the initial version was just just the work print footage but um, someone, whether it's someone from Warner Brothers or someone else, um, intercut the film with HD inserts from the theatrical cut um, where footage was unchanged. It still had the work print audio, but uh, the footage that remained in the, in the theatrical cut that was unchanged um, was in HD. So we could see, HD, we could yeah. see the film in the best quality that we possibly could. And I don't know what Warner Brothers is planning on doing with the Schumacher cut, if they are planning on releasing it. Um, but the version that we saw was rough. You know, they, yeah. they'll need to polish yeah. up the audio. They'll need to add in music. The version that we saw included temp music. Yep. A lot we're, of cues you know. were very recognizable from, uh, for example, during Edward Nigma's introduction scene, it played the breakfast machine cue from Pee-wee's Big Adventure, composed by Danny Elfman. A lot of other Elfman cues in there. Um, Music. Batman, Batman Returns. Other other music that I didn't recognize, but obviously was taken from different sources. And there was still some of the Golden Thals, Batman Forever, uh, little bits and pieces, uh, but not I, a full score. Yes, and again, um, those scenes were obviously finished and intended to be released as they were in the theatrical cut. So um, I'm sure Golden Thal would have, you know, composed music for the scenes that were not ultimately in the theatrical cut but anyway um so I, I do i do want to make a point to that in terms of the music because it's going to be something 
you know, uh, my feelings on this movie, and this is what I tweeted yesterday, uh, and an article already quoted me on this and fucking posted it and used my quote in the headline. Uh, the Schumacher cut of Batman Forever presents a deeper, psychologically complex character arc for Kilmer's Bruce Wayne that is sorely missing from the OG cut in terms of the theatrical. Uh, it's a darker, more Batman-centered film. And, you know, part of the music and seeing the movie with different music gave me a different perspective on the original idea of what this movie was supposed to be. It's darker. And I think as much as I've always enjoyed Elliot Goldenthal's score for the movie, I think if they had gone a different direction um, in terms of the music, it would have felt darker because a lot of what I just saw in terms of the image on screen and the dialogue and the performances and the delivery did present me with a darker movie. And, you know, someone asked me, yesterday is it more towards batman and robin or more towards batman returns and my response was it's more towards batman 89 like it really feels like what joel was trying to do was you know returns was so dark it was grotesque it was totally bizarre it's one of my favorite movies of all time but i think he knew how big that first batman was how special it was how it, it captured the essence of the character it had adventure it was still dark and edgy and I think he was just trying to recapture that with still putting a Schumacher, you know, sheen over it in his own visual style. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about our initial thoughts here, I mean, Batman Forever, the theatrical cut, I think is a fan favorite, especially of folks I love of a certain age. It's the first Batman movie I saw. So it was kind of my first exposure to the character other than comic books and just knowing who the character was through pop culture, you know, osmosis. But, you know, I always thought it was, you know, a very entertaining popcorn flick, uh, you know, sumptuous production design, spectacle to spare. Like the movie um, works on just like a superhero blockbuster level. But I always kind of suspected that there was something of deeper substance underneath the surface of what we got because it has little hints of a deeper character arc for Bruce uh, and and more depth to kind of the duality of the character um, that the theatrical cut ultimately doesn't really give us. Um, the stars of the show are, of course, Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones, and it feels like the, the, the movie kind of hijacks time away from Bruce Wayne in order to Majorly. in order to have kind of more uh, spotlights shown on the on the star players here. But um I will say that the Schumacher cut is closer to what I what I expected was the goal all along was to make a Batman movie. <laughs> yeah, right. So, Think of that, right? It's got Batman in the title. What shouldn't it be a Batman movie? Um, and I'll say this much, you know, um, you know, Batman eighty nine is my favorite movie. I love Batman Returns, um, but up until that point, Boy Sauce, we hadn't really gotten like this deeper emotional story for Bruce. Like, how does it really reflect on him how does he really live with this pain of his parents dying and in this movie he believes that it's his fault why his parents passed yeah we'll we'll, we'll get to we'll get to all of that uh, a little bit later on um but yeah i have a lot to say about i mean that's that pivotal scene that we're talking about if that had been included it would have made a huge difference in the overall tone and story of the movie um and and before we get into it i also have to say that um uh, this is not a radically different version of the film. This is not the theatrical theatrical cut of Justice League versus Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> right, you know, yeah, again, setting, expect- difference like setting expectations, the movie does have deleted scenes that give the movie a different tone, um, more depth, 
But largely, by and large, it's the same, you know, story structure. A lot of scenes remain unchanged. Um, little edits here and there that obviously they cut out or didn't include in the theatrical cut. So um, again, tempering expectations, the movie is not radically different, but the scenes that are different and the scenes that are included that aren't in the theatrical cut make a huge difference. Huge difference. And, and some of them aren't good. Uh, some of them shouldn't be in the final cut. Some of the added scenes that we saw... Uh, in terms of how they were edited, maybe if, if they were, you know, re-edited or re-visualized in a sense, uh, there's some stuff in there that st- still doesn't work. But it's cool to see. Um, and I'll say before we go any further, there is no Dick Grayson karateing his laundry scene with his thank, wet socks. Thank God. That's not in this cut. I, I don't know who at Warner Brothers or who was like, we need a scene of him training. Even though we see him fighting, you know, a, a street gang later in the movie, but like, let's well, apparently, him training with his socks. Apparently, there's another scene of Dick <laughs> training, not with socks, but um, I seem to recall a story about a deleted scene where he's fighting a mannequin with two faces, you know, uh, a printout yes, of two faces' that. face yeah. on it. And um, that is also not included in the, th- in the Schumacher cut. A lot of deleted scenes from Batman Forever uh, that we know of exist actually aren't in this cut either so that's right maybe that's one right. day they will there will exist a composite cut where all the deleted scenes are included you know all the scenes from the theatrical cut and the schumacher cut are included but for now this is just a different edit of the movie that we actually got and um the movie sets the stage right away with the opening scene which is extremely yeah. atmospheric very dark it's fucking scary dude i mean so like i said earlier we're gonna start from the beginning and we're gonna go through the entire movie as best we can in terms of providing you details where things are, where they aren't. Again, we saw it really early. So if we get some scenes off in terms of where they are in, in, in the storyline, we, we're, we're going to do our best. Um, but the movie opens and, you know, we get the Warner Brothers logo. You hear the theme and immediately cuts to Arkham Asylum. It's got this red hue over it. People have a lot of people have seen this deleted scene on YouTube, so you already know what we're talking about. Um, it's like fucking raining, and it, everything looks gothic. It looks more line, along the lines of like a horror movie. You know what I mean? Like a very atmospheric. We get this wide shot, crucially more on, along the lines of a Tim Burton movie. Yes, very much so. We get this wide shot of Arkham, which I had never seen before. It was fucking awesome. And then, you know, we go in, we see Dr. Burton walking down the hallway, all in his Tim Burton <laughs> costume, basically. And, uh, you know, going down and, you know, they they let him know that something's going on with Harvey, a.k.a. Two-Face. He opens the door. Harvey? Harvey? Mr. Dent? Two-Face? And then the music, like, it's scary. Like, it's like this reveal of, like, a dead guard hunched over. And then you see a guy hanging from the fucking ceiling and there's a hole in the ceiling, and it's like you see lightning and storm, all spooky. Then we see the bat must die, which I have to assume is you know written in blood on the wall. You know, yes. Um, we never see Two Faces escape, but we see the aftermath of it, and no doubt this was changed because largely because of parent complaints that Batman Returns was too dark. This would have set the tone right away that you know this this is this is a dark flick. Um, and no doubt also that they wanted to get to the Batman stuff right away. In the Schumacher cut, we don't see Batman as Batman in the in the hero pose until like 15 or 20 minutes 15, into the movie. 15, 20 minutes yeah. around there, yeah. Um, 
it's it's going to be hard for me to go through this and not comment on how because I mean one of my favorite things about the theatrical cut of Batman Forever is the fact as a kid you got the awesome fucking credits swooping in and all 3D and then you know you get the logo dun 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 and then next thing you know the screen it swishes and then you get the him putting the fucking gloves on and stuff it's exciting here we're getting a, a more somber slow start to what this movie is cutting from Arkham it's a wide shot of Gotham City, CGI Gotham City, much just like much yeah. like the establishing shots that are in Batman and Robin that we see of Gotham City all the time. Um, here we get a slow pull into Wayne Enterprises from the outside of the building. It's actually a really into impressive, a window. impressive it's shot. Impressive, yeah. yeah. Um, and so again, this isn't in largely the first half hour of the Schumacher cut is vastly different from what we get in the theatrical so we, in terms of like the structure where things are and all that right well and added scenes like we get this added scene scenes. at yeah. wayne enterprises where um you know you see bruce interacting with his staff well, even before that not to cut you off even before that so the establishing shot and going in the window this is how we're getting two-faces origin from a fucking news clip on a TV, which was which, corny. I'm, it, I'm, I wonder. It is corny. I wonder if they cut it because it, the the whoever's playing the newscaster just wasn't working. But it's a well, dude. None of the newscasters that we see in the movie work at all in this fucking movie. <laughs> uh, they're fucking terrible. But I mean, uh, so that's we see that in the theatrical cut. We see that clip later on when Bruce is watching TV, and it's him watching the news clip talking about Harvey Dent, how he got scarred by the acid, and you see Batman. So. To your point earlier, so we don't see Batman in the iconic pose for 20 minutes. We do see Batman on the TV, you know, the same scene we've seen from the theatrical, which is just the news clip of him jumping up over to try to help save Harvey. I also then, understand why they rearranged things, because if that's the first time we saw Batman on a tiny ooh, TV screen, no, it wouldn't have the same effect. No. So that didn't need to work. But here we have, though, you know, swooping right over, we have Bruce coming back from a trip. And this is all stuff I've never seen like brand new fucking footage and you know it's bruce coming in with his assistants they're all trying to talk to him about this talk to him about that um you know uh, john favreau's in here i know smith talked about that a few weeks ago that john favreau's in the movie he plays one of bruce's assistants he's trying to get him to look at like wayne enterprise's stock numbers and stuff um he, apparently he had just got back from being with the president because they say mr wayne you left your jacket at the White House or something along those lines. Something about like a golf game that they had played together. Yeah. yeah. And um, then he takes like a phone call from a big dignitary. Uh, he speaks another language. Brian, you Jap- know language? I think it was Japanese. Japanese or yeah. something. So you hear you hear Bruce Wayne speaking Japanese. And, uh, you know, this is like seeing Bruce Wayne interact with his employees like he's in the persona. And what I pulled from this, Loy, was... Everyone talks about and and shows uh, love for Christian Bale for him showing that playboy billionaire side of the character where he's putting it on. He's putting on this act, this character himself. And in this cut, dude, we actually see Kilmer's Bruce Wayne being this guy. Yeah. In, In this scene, you know, he takes the phone call. Yep. I'll see you on the golf course. And then as he's walking away, he's like, everyone relax. I'm giving myself a raise. And like just that line Which, right there, amazing. It's and he was his delivery is fantastic. It's like what worries me in terms of the decisions that were made with the theatrical cut. We'll never know. 
was did did Warner Brothers feel that they he wasn't working for them? Is that the reason why they cut the majority of him out of the movie? We'll never know. But to me, he works so well here, and I was like, oh my god, this is fantastic. So moving from that, we get the Edward Nigma introduction, where in the theatrical he's in much later. We don't see him until later on in the movie. Here. He's already preparing his experiment. He knows Wayne's in there to do his, you know, probably monthly checkup on what projects are going on. And he's ready to show him his helmet, you know, the Enigma Tech, whatever the fuck. I don't even know what his his vision, uh, you know, and that's where we get that scene. And that's all out of the theatrical cut. So that's all there. So this is where things start to make sense, because in the theatrical cut, you know, we get the bat signal in the sky here, he, he, he turns down Enigma. He's like, no, sorry, sorry, I can't, you know. We see the bat signal. And from here, we get him door, chair. Yeah. And then he goes in the tunnel to Wayne Manor, into the bat cave. And it's exciting. And then, you know, you, you get, when he comes out, Alfred takes his coat. And then you see the, the logo, the title card pop up and you get the theme which is a little it's a little underwhelming the placement of the title at least in the version that we saw because we have the line uh, can i persuade you to take a sandwich with you sir and then the reply i'll get drive through and then cut to the title and then cut, cut to the title yeah <laughs> it's a little odd yeah but then like there, um, from there on we get the, you know the batmobile driving uh, you know, to do the second bank of Gotham rescue, but there's actual added footage of the Batmobile there, which is awesome. Why wouldn't yeah. they include that? I have no idea. Who, who wouldn't <laughs> want more Batmobile coming out of the cave? I thought it was fucking awesome. Um, but yeah, so that's that's all the same in terms of the suit up, him getting in the car, and then you know they get to the second second bank of Gotham. There is a few like I think like tiny minuscule seconds of footage of like added crowd, like looking up staring at him and stuff that's a lot of the stuff that was probably wisely excised from the theatrical cut i will say a lot of the the trimming of the editing um helped to speed things along probably in the theatrical cut it made sense as you're editing a film that's what you do you take away extraneous things that don't really add to the overall um flow of the movie so yeah we get at you know a couple it was actually very helpful the fact that um it kind of was going back and forth between the work print footage and the hd footage because then you knew for sure what was part of the original cut and what was part of the final version brian i would have fucking known well you would have but i would have known (laughs) you would have and i've seen the film plenty of times too but it was just helpful to agree in real time be like okay this is unchanged okay this is new footage so um it was great but um, from here, then we get to the second bag of Gotham, yes. and everything is pretty much the same, except, except for <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones's dialogue. Yes. Yeah. Were you were you going for something else there? I'm just making sure we were at the same spot. There. I was just gonna say, there's no. Oh no, it's boiling, it's boiling acid. acid. That's not there. But see, the weird thing about this is, I've always felt that Tommy Lee Jones's introduction in the movie is menacing. Oh yeah, it is scary. It's before he cackles and pretends to be Nicholson's Joker the whole rest of the movie. If if uh, it had kept that tone of Two Face for the entire movie, um, we would have had a much better. Film. Where you know he's like counting on the winged Avenger, you know. My, he's, he's he's toying with this guy. He's just a fucking security guard. And I love this intro to his character. But then immediately, luck, blind, stupid, simple, doodah, clueless luck. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you're doing the Joker. 
All right. So this is something that a lot of people have thought for years, that his version of the character is vastly different in this cut. He's not. Okay, he's still doing the same over-the-top, cackling version of... Really, like, we've chalked it up to, he's he's playing a version of the Joker. It's not like his performance was largely uh, largely changed in the theatrical cut to be more cartoonish. He... It, it's clear he's it was always, from it was from the beginning he was always yeah. playing the character that way and um in fact the theatrical cut actually cuts down a little bit of the mugging and a little bit of the you know <laughs> yeah yeah and stuff that because there is uh, there are there's more of it in this the, cut there yeah. are extensions of scenes where he continues it's almost like he, he was waiting for schumacher to yell cut and he giggles and goes, hoo, 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 and like stuff like that. He very animated. I swear to God, I swear to God, he must have watched the '60s TV show before he <laughs> he took on this role. You know, because we we know we've known from the beginning. If you watch the special features from like forever ago, when he did interviews uh, for press for the movie when it first came out, he's like, I didn't understand why they wanted me for this movie. You know, and I didn't understand either. I mean, because he was a big star. He was Marquis. And they had worked with him on The Fugitive. The producers did. So they were like, let's bring him on for this. He could have been a great Harvey Dent Two-Face. But I, I do, I do want to set the record straight. His his character in this is not vastly different. It's the same exact fucking version. There is a lot of different dialogue. So, for example, you know, when he, you know, when first before that, we get the iconic scene where Batman's in the elevator and he tells, he goes, blast him. The scene, boys kill the bat, is not there. That's removed. But I f- be fans have known this scene exists in this line. I fucking loved when Kilmer's Batman comes out of the elevator. He, he kicks them all and shit, and he goes, going down. I loved that. That would have been perfect. No idea why that wasn't included in the theatrical cut. <laughs> Dude, it, in his, his, it, just the delivery is fantastic. It, it, it's super fun. I, I love it. Um, but then when he traps Batman in the vault... There's no mention of boiling acid. We can hear the sound of, like, it's acid. Like you had mentioned, it's probably clear that test audiences watched it, and they're like, what is that? Is that water? Is that, what? what, what is that? <laughs> it's like, have the guy yell, oh, no, it's boiling acid. Um, there is more dialogue between Batman and the guard in there. He says something along the lines, don't you have anything on that belt to get us out of here? They kind of bicker uh, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, I'm like, dude, Batman's in here trying to save your ass. Shut the fuck up, bro. <laughs> um, <laughs> you whiny little bitch. Um, but for real, though, no. I mean, it, so this is this is slightly different here. Um, Batman, you know, gets out of the vault. Two-Face is pissed. Um, and there's some dialogue in there while Batman's in the vault that wasn't in the theatrical where he's like, two years, two years, you kept me in the hole. Something along those lines like he's complaining about being in Arkham and him capturing him. Batman gets out of the vault. You know, he saves the guard. And there's like a couple added shots of Batman on top of the vault, like maybe a split second here and there. And then, you know, He's hanging from the chain, and Brian, you mentioned this to me. I didn't even notice it, but there's added footage of them going through that massive, huge eyeball light. Yeah, there, the there's, helicopter. there's more effect shots of the helicopter smashing through the light. Um, and also, I believe there's uh, more footage of it crashing into... Uh, the Statue of Liberty, Gotham's version of the Statue of yeah. Liberty. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're getting there. There is an added shot of the helicopter going towards that. And there's more footage on on the helicopter. Yes. 
there's like footage of Two Face actually just like sitting in the seat there, like talking to, like yelling at Batman. Him killing, you know, his goon and everything, that's still all the same. You know, Batman crashing his head through the window, punching Harvey. You need help, Harvey. That's all the same. Um, but there's a little more dialogue from Two Face to Batman before he jumps out of the helicopter and stuff. And there's more footage of Batman after that, actually just sitting, trying to get the club off the, the steering wheel of the helicopter. And this is where it gets interesting. So when he when they cr- he crashes into Lady Gotham and thank you, Lady Gotham, <laughs> he jumps out of the helicopter. In the theatrical cut, he just goes in the water, boom, and then you see him floating up in an awesome shot, and then you hear him go <gasps> as he's coming out of the water. Here, as he's falling, he's having flashbacks, and there's added footage. It's like spin his head spinning. Batman like spinning and he's having these flashbacks of the giant bat that is going to be a primary focus in these flashbacks. Everyone knows the giant bat. Everyone's seen the pictures. Everyone's seen, you know, the behind the scenes footage of it. You know, Rick Baker designed. Yes. And there is that shot of uh, the illuminated from behind the shadow of the bat flying towards the camera. Theatrical. It's in the theatrical. So, you know, what we're talking about, you know what we're talking about, but I, I feel like those, uh, I guess, visions that he's having are very poorly placed. The middle of an action scene is not the appropriate place to have flashbacks of your past. It, it just, it kind of, I feel like in a in a re-edit of this cut, um, maybe that they stuff would be... They would have they chopped that. Yeah. Well, they did. Um, I know. I'm just saying, even if we're going to get a, sh- you know, if they ever do decide to do this, I, I just don't see that needing to be there. In so fact, that was, that was wise. In fact, a lot of the editing in the film, I, I, or in the version that we watched, I feel is very jarring. Uh, it's, it doesn't flow well. And I have to believe that because this was an early cut of the film, they had planned on smoothing out the editing. Um, For sure. As we know, these things are a work in progress. So uh, I assume this was very early on. And so from here, uh, we get Bruce waking up uh, in, in Wayne Wayne Manor, and this is a really fun scene because Alfred's in there talking to him, and you see Alfred carrying around the bat cowl and I think a cape or part of the suit, and they're having this discussion about stuff about you know him you know if you're gonna have all these bruises and scars, he mentions something about that. Again, another thing that we see later on in the Nolan movies, but here it's actually being mentioned early, like we've never seen Alfred and Bruce talking about these things. So it's Alfred being a fatherly figure and like, you know, trying to discuss if you're going to keep doing this, like you're going to kill yourself in a weird way. I I wish, ladies and gentlemen, I I had a pad and paper while we were then I could have written down all the fucking dialogue. It's all good. Um, But I love this scene. And we get more of these scenes throughout the movie, which we'll get to. But this is here where, you know, Bruce gets the phone call that uh, there was a death at Wayne Enterprises. Um, so I believe that we had right after the Batman going into the water scene, we had Nigma in there killing off Stickley. So he goes to Wayne Enterprises. You know, same scenes we've seen from the theatrical you know, Nigma, he felt like a cousin or whatever, an uncle, a cousin that visits all the time. Uh-huh. And then we get Bruce getting his first riddle. Um, from there, we get Nigma creating the second riddle, dropping it off Wayne Manor. And again, 
I'm trying to remember this as best I can. We uh, watched Bruce this. Lee, we watched this at three yeah. in the morning after okay. being in the theater for hours. But most like, of these scenes, most of these scenes are going to be the same we've seen before. But I'm trying right. to give you context in which and where they were placed differently. Bruce right. goes to see Chase discuss the second riddle that he receives at his house, and you know he says, "Tell me, do you like the Thurketh?" And that 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 scene's still there where he says Thurketh. Um, I don't I don't know. Kilmer Look. doesn't have a lisp in the, in the entire rest of the movie, so I don't know. That was just a weird take there. Um, cir- circus scene, for the most part, is the same. Um, there is like added little pieces of like I think Dick taking the bomb and throwing it off the roof and stuff, but everything else here is the same that I remember. Am I yes. right in that? No, you're right. Okay, we have. Uh, you know, Edward Nigma watching on the TV, all that stuff's the same with him eating the popcorn and all that. Um, we have Robin going to Wayne Manor after that, meeting Bruce. All of that stuff's pretty much the same. Um, after that, you know, Bruce is standing in front of the fireplace in Wayne Manor. He has a flashback sequence, again, where he's seeing the memory of, you know, his parents' death and this book and this book, this red book that keeps popping up more and more in his memories as he's remembering them. And then, you know, he sees the bat signal, goes to police headquarters, and it's the Chase Meridian scene, which I've always loved. The bat signal is not a beeper, you know. But what makes sense here, Brian, in the theatrical cut, after he flies off the building, false alarm. You know, and then after he goes in the Batmobile, he says women, and he drives off. Then in the theatrical cut, that would sh- shoot to Edward Nigma doing additional testing on his experiment. Here, this is where we actually get Two-Face and his goons in the chase sequence in the streets, where we see the Batmobile driving up the wall, which makes so much fucking more sense now because in in we when we see that scene later on in the theatrical cut, we see the signal. Bruce goes out, whatever, and then why is he out? He never meets with Gordon or anything. So right. here it makes sense because he goes on top of police headquarters, sees that Chase is there, goes off. He's just basically driving fucking back home, you know, in the Batmobile. And Two-Face knows where he is because he saw the fucking bat signal in the sky. So now that makes sense where in the theatrical cut, and that never made sense. Yeah, well, uh, apparently there is a deleted scene, which is also not included in the theatrical, or the Schumacher cut, where Two-Face, I think, installs a tracker on the Batmobile or something, and that's how he knows or something. where it is. I mean, <laughs> something I, like that. Uh, well, there was like a beauty parlor scene where like Batman's led yes. to the beauty parlor. That beauty parlor scene is on YouTube. Thank God they didn't include that <laughs> in the Schumacher cut or the theatrical cut. It's, right. it's It feels the most like the 60s show. And I love the 60s show, but... I believe like one of the salon people are like, take a little bit off the ears, Batman. Yeah. Like, that's, it's like so, so thankful that that's not in the movie. That would have been ridiculous. But it still it still patches up that kind of plot hole of like, wait, where's Batman going? Why is he just driving around here? It makes more sense because it, it it's placed differently in the story. And I want to make sure I mention this uh, because people have been bitching and complaining and hating on that scene where the Batmobile driving up the wall. I've always thought it was cool. As a kid, I thought it was cool. But I've recently received information, this may be wrong, but that it was a Tim Burton idea on Batman Returns that he wanted the Bat missile to go up the side of the wall and they just didn't have the time or the money to do it. Um, which would make sense because in retrospect, that to me kind of sounds like a, a Tim Burton idea. It does. But 
again, I digress. We don't really who, know, but who knows how the car got down from the rooftop? I mean, we will never know. <laughs> I mean, maybe he brought the Batwing over and fucking hooked it, you know, hooked a chain to it and flew it off or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the scene also confirms that inadvertently, Kilmer's Batman does kill. Because all of Two Face's goons all crash into that fucking wall and they all blow up and they're dead. Oh, they're all dead. Yeah, they're dead. They're fucking dead. <laughs> um, so from here, primarily the majority of the movie is kind of the same. Wouldn't just say like there's there's some changes in where the scenes are, but you know, Dick finds the cave. Um, we have you know Bruce meeting Chase at the apartment, getting the doll, the sleep doll, um, and you know Alfred calls him on the phone, the the, the Bond watch rather. Uh, he took the car, the other car. We get Dick Joyriding and uh, the fight scene where he's, you know, he's fighting the the street gang. Interesting, Don the Dragon Wilson, who plays like the head of the street gang, they overdubbed his ass. I never noticed because his actual voice in this cut is like, <laughs> he's like the bat. He, there's like no emphasis, you know, right. on anything that he says. It's just like very, very light. And low key. Again, and no they, ADR in this version, so yeah. I guess they felt that they had to make his. Well, they voice got someone a else to do it, or they and, or they got him to do it and make his voice way lower and gravelly. I don't know. It yeah. didn't sound like him at all yeah. in the theatrical cut. So I'm like, okay. Here though, it, one one of my favorite uh, additions is which again you know, the fact that it wasn't included as a crime. I I think it adds so much. But continue. Yeah. No, this scene is uh, pivotal. So you know, after you know, Dick basically. He's on his own, and we've got like 50 of these gang members after he beat up a few, and they're about to kill him. We see the same shot of Batman just perched on top of the building. He's just standing there watching everything unfold. He flies down, floats down, rather, and and then, of course, we have Dick hitting him. It should have been you. It's your fault, right? Same stuff we've seen before. He says, if Bruce Wayne could have given his life for your parents, he would have. And in this cut... It keeps going. He's still punching Batman. He's punching his chest. He's punching his his abdomen. He keeps hitting him. And Batman just standing there stoically. And we get this amazing overhead shot of of Bruce just standing there in the bat suit while while Dick's be- beating the shit out of him. And it's an emotional scene. We get Chris because O'Donnell showing some emotion here. Ultimately, he kind of breaks down. On his knees. Yeah, and, and you know, kind of... Uh, falls over due to fatigue or just he's overcome with emotion. And um, Batman says, oh man, I'm trying to remember. Do you remember? <laughs> he, he says something along the lines, if there's anything I can do to help you, I will. I will. And yeah. he, he, he's like holding his arm or his hand or something. Like he's consoling him. It's an extremely, extremely emotional scene. I loved it. Yeah. I thought that that should that should have definitely never been fucking cut at all. And the way that it's framed can, is like r- directly pulled from a comic book panel. Yeah, it looks just like a comic book panel. It's gorgeously shot. Beautiful. I mean, it's one of my favorite things I saw in this cut. Um, and again, as I was about to say, you know, over the years, people have always complained about O'Donnell playing Robin. He was too old. It should have been a young kid. Um, he's flat and, and dry in the movie. You know, he's not, he doesn't have much personality. And here we get that emotion. He doesn't come off as whiny or bitchy. Like you, it looks and feels real. You know, there's real deep emotion here. Um, Absolutely. I, 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 this occurred to me and I could be remembering wrong because again, it was very late 
is the scene where is the garage scene where uh, Robin says, you know, is this a garage or a car museum? Is that included in the Schumacher cut or was that added for the theatrical? No, he says it. Okay. Okay. But he but he doesn't say Bruce though, because in the theatrical it says, is this a museum or is this a garage or a car museum, Bruce? In this version, he just said that without saying his name. See, there are a lot of slight differences in dialogue where obviously they used a different take for the theatrical. Um, here we get kind of insight into the editing process a little bit because, again, there are things that were trimmed or alternate takes, alternate line deliveries. Uh, so it's it's a fascinating kind of experiment. Yeah. Um, Especially if you know the movie very well. You can yeah. like, be like, hey, that's different. You Dude, know? that's why I was turning to you like every five seconds. Like, that's new. Like, yeah. just nodding. I wasn't like talking loud or anything, but I was like excited because I was like, I've never seen this before. Um, so again, you know, waiting my entire adult life to see this and seeing it was extremely exciting. I'm telling you right now, I sleep eight hours a night. I go to bed at like 1030 at night. I'm not like a super fucking night owl or anything. When that movie started, I had such a boost of adrenaline. That's what got me through seeing it at at three in the morning. We powered through. We, we did not fall asleep during the movie. We stayed awake through the entire thing. And I was sober, which probably helped. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so, so moving forward here, we we do get a scene, uh, an extended scene of Edward Nigma creating his suit where he's like trying to figure out what he's going to do. Um, you know, Captain kill all that stuff before question mark, man, we actually see additional footage of him, you know, when his, uh, what do you call those that like, that are in the little, his guy that's in the fucking the kind of Zoltar machine, the Zoltar machine, yeah. his, his, his guy in there with the outfit or whatever keeps pointing to the question mark. And in this cut, you actually see Edward Nigma creating on his screen the Riddler costume with the hat and his outfit. Then we get the thank you. Thank you. And he's all excited. Same as the, the theatrical. He goes and finds Two-Face. That scene is identical. Mm-hmm. There's nothing different here where, you know, just a friend, but you can call me the Riddler. All that stuff in there is the same. And of course, from there on, you know, we get them out and about stealing stuff from the jewelry jewelry store, the casino heist. All that stuff is the same. There's a little bit of an extended scene where they uh, they are that punch out scene from the theatrical where the security yes, guards in the casino just... that that's there's added. Yeah. Where he's like, show me how to punch a guy. And in the theatrical cut after, you know, two face hits the first guy and Riddler tries to hit the second guy, just goes ow. And then it cuts in this version. Two face is like, he says something like you're hitting like a sissy girl or something like yeah. that. And then Riddler two... says something along the lines like, yeah, well, he looks pretty tough though. And then Two Face fucking bashes him. I actually liked how he hit him the second time. It was like, whoa! It, was it like wasn't pretty... car- it wasn't cartoonish. It was a it was a powerful hit. And then doesn't the Riddler like uh, hit while the guy's on the ground, like hit him with his cane or something? Uh, you know what? I'm telling you, I don't remember that happening. But oh, okay, well maybe not. But um, were you seeing things? Were you hallucinating? I probably was. I was so delirious and exhausted. Okay, so so again, but we'll we'll talk about what we do remember. But yeah, if if, um, that, if that had happened, I didn't go to the bathroom or anything during the entire thing. So if that did happen, maybe I blinked. Or, or <laughs> I'm just I Mandela effect. Or, or, I'm remembering something different. Okay. But um, I never understood that scene, even in the theatrical cut. And here, the extended version is even more baffling that the guards oh, are just, just standing, standing there. there. Yeah. Like, they're, as they're talking about, like, show me how to hit a guy. They're just standing there. Like, I mean, it, it never made sense to me in the theatrical, even less so in this version. But it's a fun little comedic relief scene. It's a fun scene. And as much as we know Tommy Lee Jones fucking loathed 
working with J- Jim Carrey because it was a constant battle. It was a constant, you know, basically the competition or whatever. They work well on screen. He doesn't look like he hates them. It looks like it works. So um, th- that scene was a fun one. You know, and, obvi- get- and also, too, we talked about this. Um, yes, their portrayals of the characters are over the top and goofy. And I especially blame uh, Tommy Lee Jones for uh, trying to match Carrie's energy, this kind of manic, chaotic Which, energy. It, it should have never been that. It should have been a straight man and a funny man. It should have been Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. I know I'm pulling way far back there for some of you younger listeners, but I'm just saying the OG... You have a straight guy, you have a funny guy, and then it, it balances itself out. It's funnier that way, and it works better that way. It's not that way here. Right. If Tommy Lee Jones was just playing himself where he said to Carrie, I cannot sanction your buffoonery, um, that kind of dynamic would have been better. Um, instead, again, there's a lot of mugging. There's a lot of over-the-top you know, giggling and hooting and all, all sorts of stuff. But um, it is kind of interesting, especially when compared with kind of the darker, more mature tone of the rest of the film. Um, for whatever reason, in this version, their over-the-topness um, was a little, off, a little more sinister. Yeah, it's more sinister. It's more menacing. Because they're, a lot of that, they're cr- like, you get the sense with these two guys, they're insane. They're crazy. Oh, for sure. For sure. And it's not as cartoonish as portrayed. I mean, it's just as cartoonish, but because it's it's kind of working with everything else, um, for whatever reason, I, I kind of felt a little bit more menace from those guys. I, I agree, and I, I said it earlier in the show, a lot of it is chalked up to the music. Um, some of the interesting music choices they had in the temp score here uh, were scarier. Um, mm-hmm. They were more... Uh, they lended themselves more to showcasing a scary insane villain where you know like i said i love golden thaw's score but it's so hop like it's like just all over the place very bombastic very over the top very operatic but not in the sense like of what elfman had done it's a massive departure and i know you and i talked about this in the car yesterday on the way back from the screening i know elfman probably said no I don't know if they even asked him, but if they did, he probably said no. But imagine if, you know, and I love Goldenthal's main theme and everything, his march. I love it. I've always loved it. It gives me goosebumps. But imagine if we had a more, a fun, but still much more dark score here. I think the movie overall, because music is the tone of the movie. Yes. It really sets the tone no matter what. Um, because what we're seeing on screen, yes, we're seeing a lot of bright colors. Yes, we're seeing a lot of neon None of that changes. Someone actually reached out and sent me a message and says, is Gotham no longer full of neon? Does it look like, you know, Tim nope. Burton's Gotham? I'm like, no, dude. <laughs> no. Um, but music is what creates the feel to everything on top of the visual. And I just, I truly believe had they, maybe even Goldenthal himself, like maybe toned it down a little bit. Like, you know, let's not try to make it as insane and wild all over the place. You know, that's what really makes those characters come off as cartoonish as, as much as they are in the theatrical cut. I felt here, like you just said, I really did connect a lot more and say, man, they were, they were putting it on. They were really, they were spookier, you know? Um, not all but, of the temp music works, of course. Uh, no, later, definitely not. Definitely later not. on when Riddler's having Batman choose between Robin and chase um, in, in the, you know, the pit scene at the end, the climax, um, 
this weird like game show music is playing that clearly does not belong at all. So like not all of the choice, but I mean, that's what temp music is. It's temporary. Exactly. It's music. just there to give you an idea like what, what possibly could be here. Right. Um, so moving forward with the rest of the stuff in the movie, we get the Nigma tech party and Bruce shows up and there is additional dialogue and footage between Edward Nigma and Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually talking more shit to him here. Uh, I'm, I don't know the dialogue right off the top of my head, but he's actually just like trying to rile him up. He's goading Bruce, for yeah, sure. for sure. He says some stuff like, on top of what he says in the theatrical, just like, like that he's better. I'm better than you, Bruce. Like, you know, and uh, he mentioned something along the lines, I remember this, where he's like, we could have had this together, Bruce. This could have been me and you, but you ruined it. And it yeah. was like, whoa, okay. Um, A little bit of- more darkness from his character there. Yeah. The rest of the stuff here is primarily the same. We do get an added extra shot uh, of Batman uh, climbing up the wall as he's escaping uh, to go chase after Two-Face. The rest of it, from my recollection, is there's no huge differences here. No huge difference, but the line, how's my mole, is cut. It's gone. That's not there. <laughs> I noticed its conspicuous absence. He still, he still tells uh, Sugar to shut up, though. Yes. He tells Drew Barrymore's Sugar to shut up. <laughs> that that's still there. I always kind of like that. How's my mole? Yeah. I thought that was funny, but, but it's not here. Um, we don't need it. It's okay. <laughs> we don't need it. Um, so then, of course, this scene's the same. Uh, you know, Two Face and his goons are baiting Batman to come down into this construction area where they're planning on blowing him up. And the scene of Batman jumping off the building is the same. He floats down. He's standing there all iconically and everything, and. <laughs> You know, they shoot him. They try to blow him up. There's like an additional like split second or two of footage of him before he wraps his cape around him and, you know, turns on his heat resistant effect on the suit. Him him coming out of the flames is the same. Him standing there all sweaty and iconic and heroic is the same. Which is one of the best scenes in any Batman oh, movie. Ever. Any Batman movie. Any Batman movie. The way Kilmer sells it too runs out of flames, fucking just stands there. It reminds me a lot of you know Keaton at the end of '89 after he gets out of the Batwing. He's like, "I'm fucked up, dude, but I'm yeah. going for it." You know, right. I'm gonna do this. So then this scene is again primarily the same. Moving on, you know, because Robin saves him at the end of that scene. We get Bruce saying, "What the hell did you think you were doing in the cave?" That's all the same. All the dialogue is the same. Where he's like. Help me. Let me be your partner and stuff. And he's like, no, you know. And then when Robin says, or Dick rather, says, Alfred, put this next to the bat suit where it belongs and he leaves. Here's where we get a drastically different scene. We see Bruce watching a television with another terrible newscaster. It could be the same fucking one. This guy should have been fired immediately. But uh, saying some along the lines like, Batman has caused destruction. Batman should turn in his cape and his mask and turn himself in and quit fighting crime. That's li- It's literally that corny, like that right. kind of dialogue. And so Bruce, again, has this self-reflection of why am I doing this? And Br- Alfred brings up the, the point, well, Bruce, you know, Wayne Enterprises spends millions of dollars every year in terms of what they put towards fighting crime. Uh, I forget what uh, function it is they utilize. But he mentions that. And then we, we get more of him, you know, talking about wh- how long can he do this? Like, mm-hmm. And 
again, these are all these scenes where it's Bruce Wayne. You know, this is what we should get. It's him in the cave with Alfred. And all of these scenes... And Alfred asking him why, you know, why he is Batman. Yeah. And it kind of... uh, it kind of brings in that question of, of Bruce kind of struggling with um, what his identity really is, who he really is. Why is and, he doing this? What, what caused him to become Batman? Cause he right. doesn't remember. He's, he still has this memory and he's trying to recall what it is. Right. Cause there are the shots of the, this mysterious red book. Um, and he constantly is blaming himself for the death of his parents. Because, yes, because it was that night they wanted to stay in, but Bruce insists on going to the movies. Right. And um, we'll talk about what is ultimately revealed later on, but uh, it, it adds, uh, I mean, again, it. Joel Schumacher really wanted to treat the character with dignity and complexity. And we finally get scenes that prove that because yes. from the from the theatrical cut again, it's a it's the studio was more concerned with making it quote toyetic. That's the that's the phrase that and 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 they had Jim Carrey who was at the time the biggest star. I feel like in terms like you know the Mask, Dumb and Dumber, and Ace Ventura all came out within like the same year and a half, and they were all huge box office successes. And they, I think, just much like they had with Nicholson, they're like, "Well, he's the he's the drive, he's the pull, right? Put him at the forefront because it's not that they're like there's more Riddler. I mean, there's a little bit, but not much. But by cutting the Batman stuff, it sh- it pulls the focus more on Jim Carrey's Riddler, right? And that was a mistake, in Huge my mistake. opinion. Huge in, mistake. Because again, this is a really compelling uh, glimpse into Bruce's inner struggle that we get. We, you know, we get snippets of in the previous films. Um, obviously, they're de- dealing with different themes in Batman Returns and even in '89, where it's kind of more of like a bubbling anger under the surface that Keaton's Batman or Keaton's Bruce Wayne has. Here, it's a, a it's a really kind of um, soulful search for identity. Who am I? Who, uh, what you know? What is Batman? To- exactly. And it's so, smart. It's smart. It's well written. Yeah, you got you, you got to love Akiva Goldsman for, you know, I can't speak to what he did in Batman and Robin, but here he really did want to create this darker, more psychologically complex driven story for Bruce Wayne and Batman. And he nailed it. It's on the paper. It's on the screen. And it, it like the whole time, man, I was watching this. I was so fucking frustrated because. You know I'm a huge Batman Forever fan. I love the theatrical cut. I saw it opening night as a kid. I've always been a big fan of it. But it could have been so much more. And this proves it. Like what it originally was supposed to be. Right. Like these scenes, you know, like people come out. Well, Kilmer is like my least favorite Batman. People have, there's people that think he's their favorite or whatever. They hold him up there as number one. But this movie would have solidified him even more so as... Uh, a successful continuation or uh, successor successor rather yes thank you to Keaton's Batman who was so iconic at the time who many consider the goat considering myself I mean what they what they cut here was a great character performance by Val Kilmer you know so this scene was fantastic and you know moving forward again the rest of the movie is primarily the same as the theatrical um you know, Bruce quits as Batman, and you know, which makes more sense. It's motivated by the newscaster 
you know, and, 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 the, and the talk with Alfred too. Yeah. And the talk of Alfred, the newscaster kind of lambasting Batman. And, uh, again, um, Alfred asking him, you know, why do you, you know, dress up as Batman and fight crime? He doesn't really have an answer. So he hangs up the cape and, in a, in a, and also in, I think voice also that, you know, him knowing that he's guarding Dick too, he has to protect him. Right. He saw that he could potentially now end this young boy's life by allowing him to participate. He's angry about that. He doesn't want to hurt anybody else. All he wants to do is help. So I think that element added with all the other ones you just mentioned, that was the solidification of the decision, I'm, I'm no longer Batman. And all that stuff is the same from theatrical, him in the cave with Dick and telling him, you know, I'm going to tell Chase everything, Batman is no more. And, you know, we get the scene where, you know, prior to the, the all that stuff, we, we saw the scene from the theatrical, I know we're jumping all over, where Riddler shows Two-Face, he knows who Batman is. So that right. stuff's all there. Yes. Um, all the same. And so we have, you know, Chase coming over. There's an extended, tiny extended amount of dialogue between the two when they're in front of the fireplace. It's not much, but I, I think I recall like a couple seconds here and there. Right. Of dialogue between the two when there's something I want to tell you and all that stuff. Uh, we see Dick leaving with his motorcycle outside of the cave. I never knew where he went in the theatrical we still don't know where he's going here um because we know he shows up in a little bit back so i don't know where he's going on his motorcycle because he grabs the robin costume I'm like is he supposed because we see that he's out looking f- you know he wants to go out and look for two-face right um i forgot to mention this early on so i'm going to jump back real quick that in the scene when alfred is consoling dick you know he, he's going to put the Robin suit. I'll put just put it in here. One day Robin will fly again. I promise. There's an added scene in there where Dick's looking at the newspaper and it shows Two-Face's face on the paper. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah, we saw that too. So I apologize, ladies and gentlemen, for skipping over that. Uh, again, we're just going to keep saying uh, we saw the movie at 3 a.m. So. Yeah, again, that kind <laughs> of that that little snippet kind of helps to fuel his um his hatred and his yes. you know, ve- vengeful feelings towards Two-Face. Yeah. So m- moving forward here, you know, we have the same scene where it's Halloween. Twick or tweet. And a uh, little bit of an extension where they say twick or tweet. They say it like, a second time. Th- I, I think they say it three times. Do they? Yeah. It, it gets really annoying, actually, <laughs> when they keep doing it. It was wise to cut, you know. Just cut that. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, they get they get in the Wayne Manor. We see all the same fight stuff with Bruce Wayne chased, being chased around by Two-Face's goons. He's knocked out. Yep. All of the stuff in the cave with the Riddler destroying everything. Same same stuff. Exactly the same. It, it, it even has... I was wondering if they were going to include the cartoon sound effects of him throwing the grenades and the explosions and, you know, him adjusting his bat, crotch. The bat bombs and stuff. Yeah, no, yeah. that's all the same. And he still says, joygasm, and all that stuff's still there. And spank yep. me still in there, too. Yep. So that's, that stuff's <laughs> all the same. Um, but moving towards the more interesting stuff, so we do, you know, when Two-Face, which, again, this is so out of character. When Two-Face makes a decision with his coin, that's the decision. He doesn't just keep flipping the coin until he gets the decision that he wants. But here, you know, that's what he's doing. Right. Um, you see him get frustrated, flips again. Um so he, from here, you know, they shoot Bruce, they leave the riddle, don't kill him, 
if you kill him, he won't learn nothing. And, you know, we have Bruce waking up. And this is all new stuff for the most part. We have Alfred waking up Bruce, explaining to him the same stuff we know in the theatrical cut, like Dick, Dick is gone, the cave is destroyed, and there's another riddle. And, But from here, he takes Bruce down to the cave, and we have this extended scene. The cave underneath the cave, or how, the, well, whatever well, first, the line is. Well, well, yeah, first we have him walking him through. And the line is, you know, Bruce mentioned something along the lines of, I know who I, I, I know who I am, but I don't remember any of this. And Alfred pushes him to face his fear. And there's this opening in the cave that we never saw before. It's like this little tiny entrance. And he goes from the cave down deeper into the cave below. Very much like uh, the scene in The Empire Strikes Back when... Uh Luke Skywalker meets his other half and confronts the vision of Vader and all of that stuff. Uh, very similar to that scene. Yeah. But, so, so, so this this is where this is where it is. This is one of the best scenes in the movie. Where arguably one of the most powerful scenes in any Batman movie ever made. Yeah. So he he reaches down. He finds the red book. His He's, father's journal. His father's journal. This whole time in his memory, what he could remember was the line I said earlier. We want to stay in, but Bruce wants to go to the movies. And he's always blamed himself for the death of his parents. Because had they not gone to the movies, then... They'd be alive. They'd be alive. <laughs> he opens the book and he reads something along the lines where of, we want, we, went to see, we want to see Zorro, Bruce's cartoons can wait. So he realizes, it was my parents, they wanted to see the movie, not the cartoons... It's, it's not my fault. Mm-hmm. And then he faces his fear. He faces that giant fucking bat. Which, and it's bravo an, Rick Baker for yes. designing that thing. Dude, it's, it's, it's amazing. Those red eyes gleaming. Very impressive. I mean, when you see the bat in the theatrical cut, it just looks like a normal bat. But in this version, it has glowing red eyes. It's very menacing. And um, it, it definitely would have been scary for the kids, which is probably why they cut it, because it's monstrous. It's a huge freaking bat, you know, puppet creature. And um, it's impressive looking. It has articulation in the face. You really see it kind of blinking its eyes blinking and its moving eyes its mouth. Lot. Yeah, There's a lot of close-ups on the face. And he embraces it. Not only does he embrace it, he becomes one with it. He opens his arms out in front of it to extend his arms in front of the wings. And he puts his head back. People have seen this this image because it's on the internet. You know, you can find that. Pretty sure you can find the majority of the scene in terms of on YouTube as well. I've seen the majority it of the scene. I went the back majority. and looked at the, the. I went back and looked at the scene in the Schumacher cut. There's more of it that you don't there's, see in okay. the version. That's so you out went back there. and watched that scene that was on. Yes. Okay. So 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 there you go, ladies and gentlemen. So there's even more. And so, but this we, image is so striking, and it's such a po- powerful visual metaphor of Bruce embracing his darkness. Um, coming to terms with his trauma and facing his fear um, and giving him the courage to accept that Batman and, and Bruce Wayne are one and the same. And um, it's like, I, I get chills even just like thinking about it. Dude, I you chi- just gave me goosebumps just describing <laughs> it. I had chills when I saw it. And uh, when he leaves the cave, and this uh, this is uh, part of the scene that is out there, uh, when he exits the cave, um, he tells Alfred, I'm Batman. 
I'm Batman. Yeah. He says it twice. And then something I've never seen, and I fucking loved it. He's oh standing God. there in that wide shot, and out of the cave behind him comes a flow a of flurry bats, of bats. A flurry yeah. of bats around him. They're CG, of course. I mean, it was definitely rough. It was probably early, just CG. And I'm like, again, another fucking thing that Nolan did later that everyone loved that Schumacher fucking did first, but it got cut. It was amazing. It, felt, it was, This is fucking Batman, dude. Even more Batman than anything we saw in the OG theatrical cut. It was so frustrating, but also at the same time, so exciting to see this as part of the movie. Uh, again, n- just knowing like we were right, like this does exist and this is what the original idea was. And it's done extremely, extremely well. I just felt like if people could see this put together in high quality, like it would it, people. I mean, it would freak them out, man. They'd be like, "Holy shit!" You know, because uh, I, I still saw yesterday people like a couple extra scenes here, and there's not going to make a difference. And motherfucker, it makes a massive all difference. the difference. Yeah. So moving on from here, we have the same stuff we know from the theatrical, where Bruce and Alfred figure out the little tennis box riddle. Um, you know, he said, are all the bat suits destroyed? And he says, except for the sonar suit, but you haven't tested it yet. And then, so he goes, puts it on Alfred by sea or air. And then we get Robin, we get the same Robin scene. How about both? And love that scene. I've always loved it. And you know, the rest of the movie's kind of like, I would say primarily, the same thing. I know I keep saying that, but it's like it's not massively different in terms of like what happens or anything like that. Not massively, although there are two uh, excisions that the Schumacher cut does make that I think are it's a mistake that, um, you know, they didn't include them in the Schumacher cut. There's a great hero shot of Robin with his cape blowing in the wind and everything. Uh, that's not here not yeah. here at all that was which a is a sh- which is a shame because batman has a lot of great hero shots robin hardly has any and that that one uh in the climax is even one that i remember and uh again i haven't seen the movie in years not since we did our retrospective for the 25th anniversary 25th anniversary so yeah that was that quite t- a few years ago yes so i haven't seen the movie in a while but i do remember that shot of robin kind of in the uh in the in the rafters with his cape blowing and then um, once the final confrontation happens, there is an extension of the scene where uh, where Two-Face flips his coin and Batman throws, um, you know, however many dozen coins in the air and it causes Two-Face to lose his footing. That is extended actually quite substantially. Yeah, he's um, like, you see him just grabbing in the air a lot, flailing, trying to grab yeah. the coins and stuff. Before that, we actually have additional footage of Batman that looks fucking awesome. Um, when he's looking up at, you know, Edward Nigma on his little platform with Two-Face and, you know, he realizes that, hey, Chase and Robin are both captured. Um, there's like these just shots of him, just the camera panning, looking at him. And it looks like some of the promotional photos that we saw before the movie came out that aren't in the theatrical cut. But we see him here. Yeah, slight. I mean, probably when they were editing it, they probably thought, you know, these shots aren't necessary, but they're cool looking. I mean, it's very, uh, uh, very impressive, like uh, very well composed shots of just Batman being a badass. (laughs) And one of the one of the things I noticed the most here, you know, we mentioned it earlier on in the show was that a lot of the lines were overdubbed for both Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones in their respective characters here. It's all the original, like, on set 
recordings of the dialogue. Mm-hmm. All of Carrie's takes sound different. They're yeah. not nearly as good or impactful. They're kind of like, he's still putting it on. The performance is still the same and everything. It's still the same scene, but he must have gone in and really punched up that dialogue in AD with, you know, doing the ADR for the movie. Or they use different takes. I mean, I'm, I'm not exactly sure because um, I imagine that the, the visuals look different as well because we were watching the HD inserts. It wasn't the footage that was included in the work print. So again, um, things might've been slightly different here and there. Um, but yeah, but- I, just, I found it interesting. Cause I was like, well, we not as much impact there. And what I also found very interesting is after, you know, two face falls to his death. That's it. It cuts. There's no confrontation between, you know, Batman and the Riddler. At all. Well, there's that there, there's that scene at the end where, um, you know, he's taking hits off the Nigmatech, like uh, you know, uh, I guess head harness or whatever you would use, where like he's sucking the intelligence out of the citizens of Gotham and it's going into his brain, and it you know it causes him to go haywire, and in theatrical cut he he's kind of slumped over and um, he, kind of twitching the, and going crazy. Yeah, in theatrical he looks like he's. Sucked dry. He almost yeah. looks like E.T. at the end of E.T. when E.T.'s yeah. dying. That yeah. I can only describe it as that. Here we don't see that at all. After Two-Face dies, um, you know, because Batman still uses the sonar suit and the, the battering, sonar battering and explodes at the top of the, the Enigma Tech building, which I never understood, like, exactly how that destroyed anything or caused them all to be that upset. But quietly, I'm just saying, I'm just saying um, <laughs> that's all the same. But, yeah, so it cuts from there. And then. We immediately go to Arkham and we have Chase Meridian, you know, Dr. Burton, Dr. Meridian, you know, we, we've seen this scene before. Edward Nygma think, says he knows who Batman is. And then this scene's extended with Carrie. Mm-hmm. So when he's like, I'm Batman in this cut, he keeps flapping around. And then there's that really fucking weird close up. Of him, yeah. like it's very, it's scary and weird, but it's very awkward. I don't even remember what he was saying. Is is it just him laughing, or I think it is. It's just him giggling, and you know, it it goes on for too long. Again, as if he's waiting for Schumacher to yell cut. Yeah. So th- that's that's the last time we see Edward Nigma in the movie, and then you know, m- moving on to the scene we know from the OG, where. Bruce is standing out there in front of Arkham, which I always love that shot. It looks so much like a Tim Burton movie with the spooky trees and the lighting, the way it's lit. The, the, the lantern swinging yeah. back and forth. That's very yeah. evocative. Yeah. Yeah. So she comes out and that's all the same. And then in this one, you know, Chase gets in the car and there's a conversation between Chase and Alfred. And she says something along the lines like, you know, will it ever end Alfred? And he's basically like, nope. You know, well, uh, from what I understand or from what I remember, the line is something like, uh, you know, will I'm paraphrasing, but it's like, will he, uh, will he always, or no, Oh man, I'm trying to remember the exact line. Cause Alfred's line is not in my lifetime. Yeah. That's and they what drive it was. off. That's what Cause it was. so she says something like, uh, Oh man. Well, if you don't remember, that's fine. But <laughs> it's it's something along the lines of that kind of question, like, will he ever give up on this or some shit like that? Right, right, right. You know, um, again, we didn't record the movie because, again, that's 
considered piracy and I would never do that. And I know I received so many messages from people. Will you please record the movie from me? I'll never be able to make it to see it. And I'm like, no. Um, and Kevin Smith, I have actually posted a little bit of his intro to the movie on our Instagram story yesterday where he said, like, absolutely no shots of the movie, no video of the movie, all before screening a movie he never even said the name of, which was still funny to me. Um, but, yeah, so there was no way that was going to happen. I don't know if anyone did. I looked around a lot because if I saw anyone recording it, I would have 100% um, said something to them or the manager. I know a lot of people want to see this, and, I, and they deserve to see it, and I really hope that this is a thing that gets to be seen by everybody. Um, but you also want to respect, you know, Kevin Smith did say, please know, you know, photography or recording the screen. I, I honestly don't know if he's given authority from Warner Brothers to show it. I mean, I assume we, we, that he, we, there's no there's no way to know. I mean, like I said earlier, he got it somehow. He publicly stated he watched it and gave like a very nowhere near as in-depth as we did, but a very brief review on what he saw. He showed it to more than one person when he watched it. Because the theater manager that was there, um, he has seen it. So other, other other people that worked there have seen it with him. I, I would have to assume. To me, my viewing on this is uh, they want people to talk about it. They want to see how much engagement they can get from this to see if there's enough interest to do something with it. Um, there's gonna It's going to require money. It's not going to be cheap. And it's going to require... Someone to come in that knew what this cut was supposed to be, whether it be Akiva Goldsman or the editor on the movie, because we no longer have Joel Schumacher. Right. So as much as I love this is called the Joel Schumacher cut, I feel it's, like if, if, if they it's did, not. it's not this. If this does get released in any capacity in terms of the movie that you and I saw, the vision and version we saw. I think it should be called something like what, you know, the Zack Snyder's ultimate edition of Dawn of Justice, like ultimate edition or something along those lines because it will never know from Joel unless someone unearths an old interview or you know a fucking notepad he had from back then or anything where he actually stated anything about this we'll never know because as far as I'm recalling he never actually came out publicly and said anything about this cut so not that I can remember just that he intended something and it, it turned into something else but not that fuck them I want to release my other cut of the movie because um, the movie made billions of dollars or whatever. So um, the movie, before we finish up here. I also want to make a correction. I, I, I said that Alfred Alfred's response was not in my lifetime. It's actually, and I remember this now, not in this lifetime. Okay, so one fucking word, Brian. No, one. I think... <laughs> I think it's an important <laughs> distinction. I think I think that line uh, makes the title Batman Forever make sense makes in context. Makes sense now. Yes. Um, it still makes sense in the theatrical kind of because we, we know at the end he's like, I'll forever be Batman and Bruce Wayne or whatever, all that stuff. But here, thematically, it makes even more sense and it has way more impact. But the thing I was disappointed by at the yeah, end is I was really, really hoping that we got that OG ending that Schumacher shot where Batman and Robin are up on the gargoyle and the bat symbols behind them. Well, in this cut, it's still the same from the theatrical where it's just them running in front of the bat signal. Then the movie ends, which is an amazing ending. Um, but it, it would have been nice to see. I, I know that that shot on set of, of them standing on the gargoyle exists and there's blue screen behind them. So I'm wondering maybe they just didn't finish the effect. And as a result, um, it, it 
wasn't part of the original ending of the Schumacher cut or they didn't finish the ending. They didn't it's entirely possible. Compositing I the background. We you know? never knew. We never knew up until this point. So now I just have this, you know, it's clear to me that it probably wasn't because it would have been in this cut if that was the case. Yeah. My Unless, guess is that they just didn't finish it. Yeah. That's the way it is. But so that's it, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, we're, as we're kind of finishing things up here, we, we did our best at going through everything. <laughs> we uh, tried. I, I guarantee you there's some stuff that, you know, in terms of like where scenes are, we're probably a little off here and there. Um, it is difficult in terms of, you know, watching a movie that is a completely new version in terms of like where the scenes are than the movie you remember and you know by heart. And I, I tried to do my best to compare the two things. Um, I've seen, I think we did an okay job. Yeah, I, I've, I've seen the original <laughs> Batman Forever probably a hundred times. Seriously. Uh, I just watched it on VHS like three weeks ago. So, uh, you know, this was an amazing, amazing experience. I can't say enough how thankful and appreciative I am that I had the ability to see this cut of the movie. It's a dream come true for me, Brian. I, you know, thank you to Kevin Smith uh, for, for showing it. Uh, it, it's, it's something that is going to continue to be talked about by fans all over the world. I know a lot of people want to see this. And like I said, if, keep the support going, yeah, keep that hashtag going because if Warner brothers sees the demand and I think they've seen the demand, I don't think there's any reason why Kevin Smith would have gotten his hands on a copy and he would have screened it. If there wasn't interest, if there, if the studio wasn't curious as to what the reaction would be, um, because again, this is in an unfinished state. If they, they couldn't drop it on max tomorrow, you know, exactly. And, and also at this point, I don't know if they think it's worth the investment to do what they did with Zack Snyder and give him resources and give him money. And, you know, however m- many millions of dollars they gave him to finish his vision of the film. Um, this is a little bit more complete, obviously, but it's still a rough, you know, it's it's rough footage. Technically, they would just have to go through, find the original elements, and edit it together with the other elements. Well, and score it, whether it's through Ed- Elliot Goldenthal's score or whatever. Yeah. Um, the only other option that I could recommend is reissue Batman Forever on 4K and include the work print cut or whatever well, as I mean, a special listen, feature. Two, two, years, because- two years from right now will be the, the 30th anniversary. So. Oh, God. Don't. Don't. <laughs> Yeah. We just did the 25th anniversary. It felt like yesterday. I'm, I'm just saying when that, that you know the opportunity arises, when that comes out, that'll be a great, great time to, even if they just put on the disc the version we saw as an extra and say, work print cut, Schumacher cut, so the people can fucking see it. They get right. an idea what it's supposed to be or what it was supposed to be before it was changed. But I'm going to go out here and say it right now. I think the Schumacher cut is a better movie. I think overall, I think some of the stuff isn't where it's supposed to be needs to be more punchy here and there but i think overall in terms of what it should have been yeah and they're kind of uh, kind of kind of cringy or um embarrassing moments that they probably should have like wisely i mean i think they wisely cut for the theatrical version but there's also plenty of like kind of goofier moments in the theatrical version that aren't present in this cut um ultimately it does give a more depthful exploration um of Bruce's character. Uh, it gives the movie an overall darker tone. And uh, while it is uh, kind of makeshift or not makeshift, but it, it, it does exist in an unfinished form. Now I do think that overall, I agree. It is a, it is a better film considering the extra footage that's in there. Would you, would you uh, 
estimate that there's like a full half hour or more of never before seen footage in this cut? It's hard to say. Um, you know, we clocked it in when we clocked it in how long this cut is. And I think we compared it to the theatrical cut. And it was a difference of what, like 25 minutes or something or tw- 25 to 30 minutes, let's something say. like yeah. that. Again, we're just spitballing here. So, but again, there's also um, things that were removed. There are things that are added. So, I mean, they're not going to, the run times are not going to line up perfectly necessarily, exactly. but I mean, it balances itself out. Either way, there's a lot of stuff here that's new that I've never seen. And again, I've watched this movie so many times. So I, I, no, I noticed it immediately and I loved almost all of the new footage. I thought it was all great. Uh, so that's it, ladies and gentlemen, for this Epic Film Guys breakdown review of the Schumacher cut of Batman Forever. Yes, we've seen it. This is it. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever see it again. Again, I know that Kevin Smith had mentioned for his Batman Beyond event in August that he may also be showing it then. It will never be promoted. They're never going to do a screening of just that where they charge. I just don't think that's possible. I don't think he can. I don't know if it's legally it. possible. Yeah. yeah, I don't think that's possible. So if you hear him mention that he may be showing it or he indicates a special movie, maybe screening, it's probably this one. When we were there, I'll just let it, uh, the cat out of the bag. When I was there, it was super late. One of the people working there were like, hey, it's super late. If you don't want to stay, we're showing it for the Batman Beyond event again as well. So come for that. And I said, no. I'm here. I'm watching it now. And he just said, okay. Because <laughs> I was like, fuck no. I just drove four and a half hours. I sat through, you know, this whole marathon of other stuff, and which was all fun, and I really enjoyed it. But I was like, this is why I'm here. And again, I'm so appreciative that I got the chance to watch it. It was really fun time. It was worth the lack of sleep and the drive home, Brian. I think oh, so. absolutely. Absolutely. So. I do wish maybe... The Schumacher cut could have started at midnight at the latest. <laughs> Instead of three, right? I, I, I do think uh, that, you know, uh, the event went quite over when perhaps it didn't need to. But again, that's a story for, for another another, another podcast. <laughs> but, but thank you all for, for listening and your, yeah. for your interest in this. We really, really do hope that one day you'll get to see what we saw because... Um, uh, what 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 we saw was very impressive and um it deserves to be seen. Yep. I think that's what Joel Schumacher would have wanted and it's what he tried to have done for many years. Yep. So there it is on this episode of the Epic Film Guys podcast if this is your first time leave us a review. You can head on over to Spotify, just leave us a five-star rating, iTunes, say what you think of the show. If you think we suck, let us know. But show some love. We really do appreciate it. And we are on social media literally everywhere at Epic Film Guys on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and now on TikTok. I'm kind of slacking over there, but I'm forced wow, to. Wow, so you've, you've joined the young generation. <laughs> I'm forced. I have to. I mean, we got to get out the AFG name to everybody, you know? So um, I'm trying. I'm, tr- I'm working on doing more stuff for that. So keep your eyes peeled over there as well. But no rating of the movie. I think you can get an indication based on what we saw, how we felt about it. I would definitely say if it comes out in any shape or form, fucking watch it. It's fantastic. It's another great Batman movie to watch. And um, it, it, it shows us things that were Batman related that we saw in the Nolan movies that we didn't think we'd seen before, but we would have. Even not necessarily related to Batman, but also how Bruce Wayne is Bruce portrayed Wayne. as that as that kind of bravado, kind of playboy. Yeah, I mean, um, it's just again, 
Kilmer's fantastic in the movie. This would solidify him as being one of the best Batman character actor or actors rather uh, out there. All right, I'm tired. So this is it. Uh, <laughs> We're so tired, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm still tired. I slept last night, but I'm still feeling that from the other night. So <laughs> thanks so, so much for listening. And as always, we like to ask you to keep it creepy.